This is Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams, America's top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, both of them, one from California, one from Massachusetts. You can only guess what will happen next. Coast to Coast is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coast to Coast, only on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams in Southern California. And this is Bob Ambrogi in Massachusetts. Uh, I write a blog called Law Sites and another blog called Media Law. And I write a blog called May It Please the Court. Bob, this week we're going to be talking about legal technology, and it is growing by leaps and bounds every week. Lawyers are consequently required to be into tech and be tech experts as well as experts in law. And, of course, the latest technology has found its way into virtually every aspect of law practice. E-filing, web conferencing, e-discovery are just a few examples. Like everyone else, lawyers need a lot of training. So our guests today are going to tell us uh, a little bit about uh, what attorneys need to know and how to train them. Starting with uh, our, our first guest today is uh, Todd Sons. Todd is the IT director at the firm of Jackson Walker in Dallas, Texas, with 10 years' experience in the industry. He's responsible for the daily operations of the firm's data and technical personnel, as well as the vision, strategy, and future direction of the firm's technology. Todd has spoken at Legal Tech Conference on maintaining business continuity and was also quoted and mentioned in articles published in Business Wire, Austin Business Journal, and MSNBC. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thank you both very much. It's really good to be here this morning. And Bob, also we're going to welcome our another guest, Adriana Linares. Adriana spent seven years in the technology departments of two of Florida's largest firms, Broad and Cassell and Ackerman Centerfit. And Adriana launched Law Tech Partners in January 2004, and she provides a full range of training services. Recently, she's been named to the planning board for the ABA Tech Show. Welcome to the show, Adriana. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And our next guest is Andy Adkins. Uh, Andy is a nationally recognized expert in the field of law office automation and technology. Andy is the director of the Legal Technology Institute at the University of Florida Levin College of Law. He has personally consulted with over 300 law firms, corporate law departments, courts, government agencies, law schools, and legal verticals during the last 17 years. He is the author of Computerized Case Management Systems, published by the ABA Law Practice Management section, and also of You Can't Get Much Closer Than This, Combat with Company H, 317th Infantry Regiment, 80th Division, outside the technology space. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, let's you know. Let's start with with you, Andy, and ask. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, technology plays an important role in law practice these days. But but how important is it for lawyers to to understand and have a grasp of the technology as opposed to leaving it to the IT professionals or others within the firm? Well, I don't think you're going to find too many IT professionals practicing law. And you're going to be finding most of the lawyers using some sort of technology in their daily practice of law. And I think it's very important um, that lawyers first understand what technology can do and, and just as an equally important, understand what it can't do. Um, and then once they understand it, I think they'll kind of figure out, along with training, as to what is the best use of this technology. I mean, it's, it's a constant issue. 
just like lawyers need CLE training in legal in uh, legal education and changing laws, technology changes, and it's it's we like to think it's constantly improving. Though some people may disagree with me. Well, even though it's constantly improving, you know, maybe it's just constantly changing. One of the things that I find in it is that there's so much. Like if you open up a particular program, there's so many options and so many things that you can do. Uh, this question can be tossed out to anybody. How is it that even a tech-savvy lawyer can keep up with the kind of changes that occur and the, the all of the different things that are available in the programs? It seems like there's so much that's available that it's hardly even able to use all of it. This is, this is Adrian. I'll I'll take that one. What I you know what I have found is that no matter how often technology changes and grows, there's still a set of common denominators, some basic skills that all attorneys should have, regardless of the technology. And once you have some of those basic skills, basic understanding, how to do this, how to open this, how to get there, how to get here, then all that other technology not only becomes a little bit easier to learn, but it becomes less scary, which I think is, you know, a problem that a lot of attorneys face is they kind of say, well, you know, practicing law is about the mind. It's not about technology. I'm just going to practice law. Yeah, this is Andy. Let me add on to that, too. Um, what we've seen over the last few years, and I'll tell you, Adriana is out in front of probably more than anybody else on this, is that training used to be take place in the sense of learning how to use a program. In other words, here's how you use Microsoft Word, and training would be four hours or eight hours, and, and people just, lawyers especially, can't take the time off from that. So what what we've seen as a trend in the last few years is instead of training on a particular application, people are being trained on functions. A prime example is email and attachments. Um, you're, learn you're, you're touching about two or three or four different programs when you open up an attachment from, from an email. And how do you go about doing that? How do you save it? How do you work on it? How do you view it? All of those things. So I, I think we're seeing a trend that's sort of dictating that let's let's train on the functions that a lawyer uses in technology as opposed to a specific application. Todd, let's bring you into this conversation. You're, you're at a decent-sized firm, Jackson Walker in Dallas. How do you uh, see these issues in terms of the lawyers at your firm and the ones that you work with? Well, we've had to somewhat change our approach to how we've been teaching our attorney and staff population from being focused on uh, training to focusing more on learning for them. And a lot of what we've, um, what we've seen in our uh, challenges has, has been what the other two guests have mentioned today is, you know, attorneys, they want to know uh, what they need when they need to know it most of the time, and their time is billable. Uh, and we don't want to capitalize too much on the time that they can be out building. By the same measure, though, we're always asking ourselves, what should attorneys know? The core competencies are really, for us, probably the easiest part of, of this puzzle, but it gets more challenging and difficult for us as we go and begin to identify by practice area, and that's really the direction that we're going is more targeted and strategic learning by practice area uh, so that uh, our uh, intellectual property section would get different training concerning how they handle placing information into the document management system as opposed to our litigation section. And I think the attorneys really benefit from that because it shows them or helps them in using the tools and the processes that they need, 
specific to how their desk works and how their practice area works. And I think that that has been one of the most major shifts for us is going from corporate-style traditional classroom training to more coaching-style training uh, for our attorney population. Well, I wonder if we could just take a step back and say, what are those core competencies? I mean, Andy was talking about email training. What are, what are the basics that lawyers need to know about technology in order to practice law today? Well, obviously, they need to know how to log in and change their password. Um, depending on what type of attorney you have, whether they would be a communicator, which I would call that as someone that is primarily an email person or a collaborator, someone that exchanges documents, or even a producer, someone that does their own documents, kind of depends on the core competency set. But with that, even uh, drafting and saving an email, how you save things into your document management system, creating items like a distribution list, how to even the most basics of even modifying a signature for your signature block in Outlook, um, understanding metadata and the, uh, the, the challenges that it uh, persists all the way to even um, uh, drafting properly with uh, uh, firm styles uh, documents. So it can, depending on the attorney, even the core competency sets can, can go across the spectrum for, for their use. Adriana, would you include uh, billing and uh, calendar management and so forth in a core competency? You know, I think if I was going to list a couple of core competencies, I would say, um, you know, definitely understanding how to send and receive communication, whether that's email or on your trio or on your BlackBerry. Being disconnected from the office, I think these days, is just as important as being connected in the office. So I like to train my attorneys to know how to set up their POP3 email when they're in and out and how to troubleshoot, you know, getting connected at Starbucks or at the hotel. And um, definitely some basic document editing, I think, is very important. Calendaring, you know, definitely it's so easy. Some of these things are just so easy. I can't understand why an attorney wouldn't know how to put an appointment down on his calendar or add a contact to his contact list or shoot an email. <laughs> and yet. What's that? And yet they, they, they don't. don't. I mean, it's so sad. It breaks my heart every day. <laughs> at the, um, I had this great, great experience at an awesome law firm in San Francisco a couple months ago, and I showed the managing partner of the law firm the home button on the keyboard. He had a list of about, you know, 3,000 emails in his inbox, and we had scrolled about halfway through. And he started scrolling back to the top, and I said, hit that button right there, hit the home button. He hit it, went straight to the top and gasped and said, oh, my God, is that new? And I said, no, it's been there a really long time. And he laughed and said, if you tell anybody about this, you'll never work in this town again. <laughs> How do you deal with the quintessential lawyer who says, you know, my um, legal assistant pulls my email? I mean, they're still out there. These are oh, the guys no. that, the, and the women that just refuse to deal with legal technology and don't want to have to do it. And they argue, probably maybe perhaps correctly sometimes, that it's more efficient for them to have their secretary or legal assistant handle it. How do you, how do you deal with that person? From my perspective, sorry, I don't even deal with that guy. You know, it's going to be much more useful. Of, you know, I'll be more useful to the firm and everyone else to target 10 other attorneys who are going to be more efficient and more willing and then let that guy either catch on and realize that he's missing out on something or, you know, just let them keep doing it their way and someday they're going to see the light, hopefully. Well, and I think for us we have um, 
in looking at that uh, that type of desk and that type of situation. Um, some of our attorneys that work that way are very, very uh, successful and excellent builders and do really contribute a lot for the firm. And so in, in that, then we want to try to understand what it is that we can get uh, gain ground in on what they would need to know that would not impede their practice with technology, but actually enhance it. And maybe it would be like more introductions to communication style of uh, learning, like for email and, and, and items like that. And then and also, I think we target uh, the the support staff around those attorneys. It's very important that if that attorney's not up to speed or in the know about the technology, more than likely he has somebody around him that is very good at it. And so keeping those people uh, really honed in on their skill sets would be very, very important. So then beyond core competencies, it sounds, Todd, like you're, you're suggesting that training needs to, to relate in some way to the area of practice that, that the lawyer is involved in. Uh, Andy, what's, what's your take on that? I mean, do you, do you try and tailor your training based on what's, what uh, skills the lawyer needs? Absolutely. I mean, uh, like we were talking earlier, the old way of training is to bring everybody into a classroom and say, here's Microsoft Word or here's Outlook and here's how you use it. Whether it pertains to the legal profession or that specific law firm, you know, Todd and Adrienne are absolutely right. You have to train in the environment that the people are using. Uh, intellectual property attorneys are going to be using the, the, the same software applications, but you're going to be using them differently than a litigation department. And you have to tailor the training specifically to that. Now, having said that, and I don't know if you're going to get to this a little bit later on, but you also have to realize that when you do the specialized types of training, you're increasing the resources required to make that happen. So you've got to take a long stand at your IT staff and your training staff and figure out how we're going to beef this up. Theoretically, yes, you are going to be hiring additional personnel and they're non-billable, but the idea is that these non-billable people are going to be working very closely in helping the billable people bill more. Well, and that assumes you're you're in uh, the kind of firm that, that has the budget for that. I mean, what about a smaller firm, a, a solo lawyer? Uh, how do you address training in that context? I think that's going to vary depending upon the attorney. I mean, one of the things I've found is that, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. You've got to find the hot buttons, you know, the pain points of what the attorney <laughs> is really experiencing. And what are the reasons behind whether they're reluctant to use technology or not? Uh, sometimes if you can find those and work with that specific one, you kind of get over that technology learning hump. And once you do that, I've seen attorneys who have been ludites that just <laughs> take off and become the technology leaders in the firm. I mean, it's phenomenal to see this type of success, but for some reason they're, they're afraid they're going to mess something up or delete something. And, and, and like Adriana said, you've got to get them to those core competencies, show them some of these basics, close the door so that they're not you know, out in front of their peers, but it's just you and that attorney, and show them some of these simple things, and then they start to get it themselves. 
Oh, I definitely agree. And another thing that I have found, you know, to, to not only get your foot in that door in order to close it behind you, these are the, the closet techies, I call them. They want to be techies, but they're afraid that, you know, their, their incompetencies are going to shine poorly upon them. What I have found is the trainer, the person that's delivering that information and that experience and that knowledge has to be a very specific type of person. Bottom line is they have to be likable. If you don't like the trainer in your firm or the person you're bringing in or, you know, whoever you've brought in from the outside, then certainly the attorneys aren't going to be interested at all in attending and they aren't or participating. I often joke around that trainers are like bartenders. When you're looking for a trainer, look for somebody that's a bartender, someone who you're going to want to walk up to and chat with, you know, order up a drink, trust them with, hey, make me your favorite drink. And that's very challenging. It's very hard to find in trainers these days and in IT staff too. You know, it's just they do their jobs, but your technologists and your trainers in your firm, small or big, are the bridge between technology and the lawyers, and it has to be a really likable and trusted bridge. What about the other end of the spectrum with the lawyer who is the power user? Is that lawyer just as difficult to deal with as a lawyer that is not uh, at all technology-friendly? That depends on their personality. Um, We've dealt with, I mean, Adriana, you probably have more, and Todd, Todd, Lord, you probably got more experience than any of us in this, but you got some attorneys whose personality is just so demanding, and they are very technology. We call them consumers. They consume everything. They consume IT resources. They may have one or two people helping them with a, with a litigation software or a trial presentation, and they're consuming two or three secretaries at the same time, all because of this one particular case, because they demand it. But then on the other side, you got other attorneys who are very technology savvy, and they have a great personality, and they not only use the stuff, but they constantly want to bring back what they've learned and show it to the rest of the firm. So I think a lot of it depends on the the particular attorney's personality. And it's all very social. Technology is a social thing, and we forget that a lot. It comes down to, you know, interacting with your client, with each other, Take going to a conference and coming back and bringing what you've learned back to the firm or having those interactions with trainers and IT people and your team on a case. It's, it's all very social, and we forget that whole part. So you're all bartenders. It seems to me you're also all uh, emergency medical technicians to some extent. Oh, definitely. It, it sounds like you have to kind of triage what the problem is and get in there and tackle it. Well, I think that's a really good point because we have, like, with, and it's very important that you have the right staff in the right seats, and I've got an excellent training manager and wonderful department and very proud of, of all the, the trainers. Um, but you really bring up a good point about, uh, the different points of pain as well, and about a triage, and those types of analogies are great. And I think that I, I'm a, a huge uh, supporter of the, uh, the saying, you, you cannot manage what you cannot measure. And for so long, uh, training has been some abstract, unmeasurable, uh, illegal. And uh, what's great about the direction that we're going is uh, we we really try to map core competencies that we discover about the practice area, even down to the desk, uh, to, to certain skill accelerators and place these attorneys and their, their teams on uh, specific uh, customized learning plans uh, that work out, you know, towards the efforts that they're trying, how they're trying to practice, how they're trying to practice law. But the, one of the challenges in that, though, is that you have to have an assessment. 
you have to have a benchmark starting somewhere with uh, with your users, with your your group, and then you have to have goals set through that, and then take a end of a learning plan assessment to see that those things have been achieved or how far they have actually come in acquiring the skill sets that you've observed that they need at that desk. It's it's difficult to get someone to tell you what they don't know or what they what they need that they don't know that they need. And so uh, with this new style of coaching uh, and individualized uh, learning plan, then you take those assessments, you, you, you watch them work, and you understand uh, what they're trying to do or try to understand what they're trying to do and then try to provide leveraging uh, the technology that probably most firms already have purchased and own towards that end of helping them practice uh, law better for them. We're going to take a short break here to hear from the people that make Coast to Coast a reality. When we come back, we'll hear some final thoughts from our guests and wrap up and get their contact information. We invite you to visit law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Coast to Coast is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. This is Bob Ambrogi. And I'm Craig Williams. Welcome back to the program. We're joined by Todd Sons, IT Director at Jackson Walker in Dallas, Adriana Linares, founder of Law Tech Partners, and Andy Atkins, who's a nationally recognized expert in the field of law office automation. Welcome back. One of the questions that I wanted to ask is, what is the hardest type of program to teach lawyers how to use? Is there a series of programs that are out there that are just difficult for lawyers to master? Well, I think for us, uh, it, it, it honestly depends on um, the the practice group and that the attorney's in, but something that I see people really struggling with right now is this 
massive amount of data that they have coming in now from all different directions, how to organize that and how to uh, manage that, whether you're getting it through uh, e-faxing or, or email, um, these things all coming in, where, where should those items reside? Where should they live? Should, should you set up a, a, a system in, in uh, Outlook that you actually just create cabinet folders that are matter-centric, or should you go ahead and start transferring that information over into your document management system? Those are some very difficult challenges uh, for our attorneys in trying to uh, assemble all of their information in one place for them. Uh, and so uh, uh, email's great and Outlook's wonderful. Uh, even that very basic program there prevents, uh, or presents huge challenges for us as far as where data should be located that's accessible to people that need it concerning certain matter-centric uh, operations that they're functioning then. I wanted to ask, Adrian, I was uh, reading an article that you wrote uh, recently on, on roll-ins and, and the issues of, of technology uh, roll-ins in, in merger and acquisition situations in law <laughs> firms. And I, I wonder if you could just just speak to some of the particular issues involved in technology training or, or uh, technology integration after a, after a merger or acquisition in a law firm. Sure. You know, there's, there's so much work that goes into before you even get to training, figuring out when, when you are doing a merger and acquisition, who has the better package? Who's got the better software? Who has more data? So you make all these decisions, and then somebody usually has to make a change. And really what I found is that communicating with, with whoever's having to go through that change and go through the training and explain, you know, attorneys are very reasonable. They just don't like it when you come to them and say, hey, here's your new technology. This is what you have to use. But if you communicate to them and let them know why we're doing this, why this is a better choice, and here, let's, you know, let me show you a little of this and a little of that and do it in small learning segments, it can really be quite successful. They can grasp this. You know, none of this technology that a trainer or an IT department is going to present to an attorney is impossible to learn. It's all going to be fairly simple. I think, you know, some of the more complex case management programs that are very intense and very busy on the screen, I think those are harder to learn. I think um, it's incredibly important, though, during those mergers and acquisitions to definitely get in front of them, present them with why, give them some information, some training, whichever way they prefer to receive it. Some attorneys like one-on-one. -on -one. Some attorneys will sit in a classroom setting. Some of them prefer to do it after hours. And that's, again, communicating. You know, send, send them a memo. Hey, we're going to do some training. This is going to be great for the firm. This is what we forget. And a lot of times the other thing that we forget to really impress upon them is it's not just for the firm. We're making these changes and making these decisions and these improvements for our clients. Well, that's that's a key point. I mean, technology is really te technology and marketing kind of go hand in hand, don't they? I mean, Andy, do you, do you do you talk about that with your clients? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one thing that we try to stress is that clients know that lawyers use computers, and a lot of times it's an appearance when clients are talking with attorneys and how they you know correspond. Um, Todd was, or uh, yeah, Todd was talking earlier about the attorneys who don't use computers and they have their secretaries, you know, do the email for them and do all the correspondence for them. And, and that's fine. And it works well for that. But what about the new clients that are coming in? I mean, this is a new generation that these people grew up using computers and now they're, they expect everyone to, uh, to utilize this. I often use a, uh, a an analogy of our generation right now, or I guess my kids, 
you know, they're the ones who stand in front of a microwave and, and tap their finger like, you know, come on, come on, when is this going to get done? I mean, we are an instant gratification society right now. We send email out, people read it, we expect a response back. It doesn't always work that way in the legal profession, and you've got to be able to work with different types of clients um, depending upon whether they expect that type of in- immediacy or whether they're okay with the old way of, uh, you know, corresponding via postal mail. It just varies, and I don't think we're going to see that much of a change over the next couple of years. I agree with you, Andy. I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to technology and lawyers. I have a technology compatibility questionnaire that I often give clients. I have it on my blog. That's very simple. You know, send it with the engagement letter, you know, your first communications that says, how do you prefer to communicate? Can you, do you have Outlook? Because knowing that your client also uses Outlook can make communication so great. Now your secretary can send appointments to both you and to your client. So these very simple things, five, six, seven questions that you can ask your client that you should know the answer to as the attorney, which oftentimes they don't, can really improve communications. And it's also a hook into the client. You know, it helps you improve that relationship and keep it tight. We're going to wrap up our program here, but before we do, we'd like to get your final thoughts on what we've been talking about today. So we'll toss that out to the three of you and see if uh, you want to give us kind of an overview of uh, this issue as far as you see it. Well, I'll start off. This is Andy. I say one of the common things I, I, I often tell people, I said, you know, the number one reason for successful implementations is training. And the number one reason for failed implementations is lack of training. Adriana? I agree 100% with Andy. And on top of that, I, I always say technology is an emotion. You have to know how to deal with your emotions just like you need to know how to deal with technology in order to use it successfully. Otherwise, your money is wasted. This is Todd. Yes, I think that the, um, for us, I think if you, you find yourself at a crossroads uh, with uh, training in your firm, you take an honest look at uh, the proficiency of what's being put out from the training and don't be, um, you know, don't shy away from thinking outside of the box and, and moving away from more traditional training to more focused learning strategies, identifying the core competencies, uh, 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 being strategic about the uh, people down to the desk in the practice area and provide specific uh, practice, specific learning plans. All of this we're piloting this year, so maybe next year, you can have me back on, and I'll let you know how it goes. With our training <laughs> department. <laughs> we'll see. Andy, if any of our guests want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm with the University of Florida Eleven College of Law in Gainesville, Florida. Um, yeah, is there a website or a contact? No, there is. Uh, just www.law.ufl.edu forward slash LTI for Legal Technology Institute. Adriana, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and your services? I have a blog at www.iheartech.com. And Todd, what's your uh, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and your firm? You can visit our firm website at www.jw.com. Yeah, well, well, we've enjoyed it, and uh, we really appreciate all of you taking the time to talk with us and share your insights on this topic. Uh, thanks for doing it. Thank you. You're quite welcome. It's been our pleasure. Nice meeting each of you. 
Nice meeting you as well. And, Bob, that wraps it up for Coast to Coast this week. We will talk again next week. All right, Craig, I look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams. Coast to Coast has been sponsored by Law.com. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.